The children can be dismissed for children's church, the three-year-old through third grade. Well, we're deviating from we're deviating from Romans and uh, going to John one, and uh, and then you'll get to hear from Luke next week. So we're going to be journeying through. This morning, um, be a little bit different, um, going to explain a little bit about John 1 and some of the word usages and the importance of them, but then we're going to see how they're used. We're going to be reading a ton of scripture and trying to help us to see what, um, what is God really trying to show us when he talks about he is the light of the world, and what does it mean that he is the light the true light, and we want to talk about that. For all the junior hires that are worried about uh, me speaking at uh, the thing, I'm, don't worry, I'm going to put on my youth pastor suspenders uh, that I took off all those years ago, and uh, I'm going to put them back on and practice wearing them, so uh, I'll try to get my youth pastor back together in my brain before I get there, and, uh, but anyway, we'll have a good time, and I, I look forward to that. Um, as well, uh, except for the, the sledding part. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to look forward to that. I, I think I will stay away from that. And, uh, and uh, no, I have to walk first. <laughs> Walking is a priority. Uh, I am known for doing, uh, uh, getting hurt just by doing one thing. So it's, uh, I'll steer clear of that. But Luke, uh, and uh, I'm sorry, Luke, uh, John 1, uh, great verse, and we run over uh, these verses many times. It's really neat because John, um, when God gave John the word and talked about, here's what I want you to present to the church about me and about who I am, um, it's like he was rehashing the beginning from Genesis and we really see the theological nature of John. It was very interesting, as before we read this and we pray about uh, the text and about God speaking to us this morning, um, you know, as, as we prepare for, we've been talking about Christmas, and we've been talking about the holidays and the season and the reason for the season and all this. If, if you really think about it, the reality is this, is this is one of the most difficult times of the year for most people, whether it's family, whether, um, whether it's just different things, that, the stresses that it gets put on people. There are more problems that come to bear upon the shoulders of people, the minds, the hearts. We struggle in many ways. And yet, we hear about the birth of Christ, and we hear about the peace has come, and we hark the herald angels sing, and joy to the world, and we hear all of this, and yet, the world is seeing nothing but agony, right? And so this morning, I want us to think about that as we, we talk about the true light and I want us to remind ourselves, because that's one of the big reasons, is we focus on a lot of shadows and the entrappings of the holidays rather than on Christ himself and who he is. And so it's always good to be reminded of some of these very 
important things as we prepare our hearts and our minds, that we would be a light source to those around us, and so that way we can have joy. Someone commented this morning as we were watching a video about, uh, by a rabbi who is a, um, who is a Jewish believer. He's saved. Um, and, um, and so he, he was jovial. Uh, most uh, Jewish Messianic Jews or Jews that have put their uh, faith and trust in Christ, you would be surprised at how joyful they live life. They really celebrate life. And they're very jovial, joyful people um, and uh, fun to be around. And wouldn't that be fun if that was true of all believers? That we would let the life of Christ ring out from our hearts and through to control our minds and to impact those that are around us. And so I, want you, I pray that you'd think about this as we read God's word and as we let his spirit speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that as we read your word, that you would help us um, to admit the distractions that have taken hold, maybe of our hearts, maybe our minds, maybe we're just our eyes or our ears, things that we long for, desire, um, in this life, and we've forgotten what you've provided for us for all life, for life that is eternal. Um, and so, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, remind that uh, in our body this morning, in our church, uh, and that we would take that joy and that peace and the light that you have provided, and that we wouldn't turn it into a shadow, a shell of what is really true, but Lord, that we would truly celebrate who you are in your entirety, and that we would be uh, a joyful, peaceful um, encouragement to those that are around us, proclaiming your truth. Help us, I pray, to see these things according to your truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. John chapter 1 says this in verse 1, as we start, and, but our text that we'll look at is verses 5 through 9. But it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him there was nothing made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, 
nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. It's interesting, as we talked about this morning in the adult Sunday school class, about the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Sukkot, or this Feast of Booths that's found in Leviticus. Um, and it's interesting, but we look at a lot of the things, and, and Israel has seven holiday seasons. And yet, in all those holiday seasons, they miss Christ. They get entrapped in, in all that they're supposed to do, and, and, and they get trapped in thinking about how great they are as God's chosen people, but yet they miss who Christ is. And yet all the seasons, all seven of them, in the beginning of of spring and all the way to the end of fall and into winter is meant to point to Christ. It ends, it starts, you know, as we lead up to the Passover as, as Israel goes out of Egypt and they celebrate the Passover when, when they're led out of Egypt and they're no longer slaves, but of God's chosen people brought to the promised land and that death has passed over them and they celebrate this, what God has done for them. All, we see all the way through the Passover and how they celebrate, we see Christ all over the place. And yet, and now the very last feast that they celebrate is called the Feast of Tabernacles, which again is celebrating. They build these, these huts, and it's a party of, of eight days in which they party and eat food and celebrate that they have been taken out of Egypt. But it's celebrating that while they were taken out of Egypt, they were wandering for 40 years in the desert not having a home, but living in tents. But all the meanwhile, while they were living in tents, that God was supplying all their needs. And that one day they would be brought into the promised land. They had no home, and they looked to the Lord for all of their needs. They had no direction. They didn't know where to go. You say, well, man, that, Israel's not very big. How did they get lost? It wasn't until I went through the Negev and I saw where Israel traveled that I was like, whoa, there's just all these draws and, and, and crevasses and there's all these. It's, it's easy to get lost. People do it all the time in the Negev. Of course, God had told them that they would, consequence for not trusting in him, that they'd be lost in the desert. And they were, and they didn't know where to go, so God had set it up. If you remember, God had said before they had crossed the Red Sea, they had a pillar of smoke by day, and they had this great pillar of fire by night. And they, this great light that shone in this pillar would go and take them everywhere that they needed to go, and they could follow this great light. At the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, by the way, the the, 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 the different leaders would come out of the tabernacles and they'd be proclaiming and celebrating and they'd be singing great loud uh, praises to the Lord. 
and they would have these great, great, um, you know, big candles that they would run through the streets. And it was the one time of the year when, when I was living in Israel that no one got sleep. It was amazing how loud it was. I was like, what's going on? I didn't understand what the, the, the Feast of Tabernacles was all about. But it was meant to, these two candles were meant to go through and parade through. And it was meant to show the, how God had led them and directed them. And that God was their light and brought them to the promised land. The glory of God shone before them to follow him where God wanted them to go. That God's glory that was in the pillars was the light that led them. That's what they're proclaiming at the end of the tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's interesting as we look at what Jesus is saying here, it helps us to understand why, all the way through John, every time that, that he mentions darkness and light, that the rabbis and the Pharisees and the Sadducees hated Jesus because he was proclaiming himself to be the light, the glory of God himself that was going to lead them. It's interesting as we look at this. In verse 5, he says, In him was life, and was the light of men. In him, when he proclaims in him, he's saying that he is life itself, physical, moral, and eternal. He's the principal source of all life. By the way, notice that John didn't say that, that as with the creation, that the life is, is you know, um, he's not saying that, that, he, that there was life found in him, but that he is actually is life and he is light. A lot of times people want to say, well, yeah, yeah, there is a light with Jesus or that there is a, that he, there is a life to be had that comes from Christ. And they talk about Christ as a great teacher or a great rabbi, but they don't see Christ as actually being life. When we think about this, and we think about the terms of the verbiage, when it says was, it's in the imperfect tense, which is speaking of a continuous action from the past. The verb literally means that he had no beginning and had no end. He was always is the life. He didn't just contain a life. He is the life, and he is the light. That's what John was trying to proclaim, and that's what he wants us to know. That he has always been, from eternity past to eternity future, he will always be life, and he will always be the light. It's not going to change. When he talks about the life is the light of men, there's a, there's a lot of people that argue about some of this, but the reality is, as we see from the beginning of John and through into the end of the context, all the way through first. 14, and then into other verses in the book of John, we see that he is the natural life. He holds all life together. He is the creator when it's proclaiming Christ as creator, but then he is also our spiritual life. So he goes, he transfers from being the natural life of all life, holding all life together, to being also our spiritual life. 
that no one can come to the Father except by him. The life is the light of men. Speaking of a spiritual light as well as a natural light, that it's moving from that also that he is, the, he is actual light. He is the light, but he also is our spiritual light that lightens the things, our spiritual life. It isn't the word that contains life and light. He is the life and light. Therefore, Jesus also, without Jesus, think about this, we are dead. We don't contain life. We are dead and in darkness. Think about that. We are lost. That's what happened to Israel when they rebelled against God repeatedly. That's what was going on. They, without the Lord, they were lost. And we are lost without Christ. We are, there's great significance to this. It's amazing as you think about it, what are the two things that most people are naturally afraid of? Death and darkness. This is what we have without Christ. And so really, this is what we're seeing is, is that Christ is Genuine, if you get to verse 9, he says he is the true light. This isn't a copy. This isn't, this isn't a counterfeit. This isn't, uh, there's more to it. This is the genuine, real, authentic light by which all physical and spiritual life is measured and revealed. Without Christ, we don't know what real life is. Without Christ, we, we don't know who God is. This is the point. What I mean by measured is this, is the word true light, when it says that he is the true light, it means that, that he, everything is measured. All light is measured by him. That's what it meant to be true. What's as amazing is, is you notice that in over 60 times in the New Testament, there's a comparison going on between darkness and light. Christ is the pure light, which we measure everything. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, that's why he says in verse 15, says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? Christ is pure. He is the true light. There's a lot of things that we can learn by what we see as Christ is being described as the, the life and the light of men. There's a, a bunch of these things. Whoop, I'm going too fast. The Christ light doesn't deceive. If he is the true light, if he is the pure, genuine light that all is measured by in life, our salvation and everything in life is measured by him, then... He is not deceptive. If you know 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 12 through 15, we see it says, and I am, he, Paul is talking to the church in Corinth about the fact that he's not boasting about himself. He's not making some unsubstantiated claim for them to look at him. He's not trying to deceive them. In verse 12, he says, and what I am doing, I will continue to do in order, in order to undermine the claim that those who would like to claim that they're that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. There is people boasting to be just like Paul and holding the same truth as Paul. 
But verse 13, he says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Quite amazing is as we see that a lot of time that there's a deceptive light. There's a lot of people masquerading and presenting themselves as good and right and that they have a light, but it isn't the light that comes from Christ. Isaiah 5.20 says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Christ's light doesn't deceive. It doesn't mix things up. It's true. It's pure. But Christ's light is this true in contrast to all false lights which are in the world. John 10.10, right? Said the thief come only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they might have life and life to the fullest. A true life. A full life that is measured by Christ, not by the world, not by those that would deceive and say that, yeah, yeah, we want want you to enjoy life. Remember, sin is deceptive. It wants you to say you're missing something. But it's not true life and it's not true light. Christ's light is pure, it's true, and, and so Christ's light is more than a shadow. It's not a shadow and we see in James 1.16, it says, Do not be deceived, my brothers, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. By the way, before that, he's saying, Hey, by the way, it's, you can't claim that God tempts you to make you sin. Right? That's not a true life and light that comes from God. And he says, verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of Lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. The real light is in contrast from the dim and shadowed light from which is conveyed. We see it all through the Old Testament. Israel put all their faith in the shadow of this light when they looked at all the feasts and all the rules and all the regulations, they saw the truth and the righteousness that was in those things, but they worshiped the shadow rather than the light itself. We too can learn from this. It's no no wonder why multiple times the Apostle Paul says in Romans and in Corinthians, he says these things were written about the Old Testament These things were written that you might know and believe, that you might learn from what happened in the Old Testament, that you might understand that Christ is the true light. Colossians 2, 16 and 17, it says, uh, let no one disqualify you, right? That's the point of this passage. It says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or with regard to the festivals or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. 
He is our true light. Christ's light is not diminished, by the way. He is never diminished. It always is bright. It does not change. That's the idea in James 16 that we've already read when he says there is no variation. It doesn't shift. It doesn't change. It doesn't diminish. It doesn't get brighter or or lesser. It always stays the same. If he is the true light, if he is the light that all light is measured by, there is no change. It is pure. It's perfect. It doesn't need to change. Right? He doesn't need a holiday. I'm not saying you can't worship, you can't celebrate Christmas. That's not what I'm saying. But this thing is, is he doesn't need a holiday for his light to be shown. His light is perfect. Psalm 102, verse 25 through 27, it says, Of old, this sounds familiar, it's all the same language as in John, says, of old you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. Isn't that great? Christ's light never diminishes. And yet the world believes it needs a holiday to remind themselves of how peace has come. But yet they don't want to celebrate who brought peace. They don't want to celebrate Christ. They believe that they can manufacture peace. If we just agree with everybody in the world, maybe we'll have peace. But yet it's only brought more division. Imagine that. Because it's just a shadow of the true light of Christ. It's not. The love that the world celebrates is not true love. It's not the character of God. It's the character of whatever anybody wants to make it. Christ's light, by the way, is the light that reveals God. That's what, Paul, that's what John is talking about in, in 1 John. It reveals God. In verse 18 and also John 14 talks about that it reveals God. Fallen people could not possibly know the truth about God if it was up to their own resources. Christmas isn't going to show people Christ. God and Christ show people God, his light, not the holiday. It's Christ. Instead, people, the fallen people of this world, end up following their own speculation and philosophies. They create and worship idols, gods of their own making. Apart from the light, fallen people are still in dark ignorance. God says in John 1.18, he says, no one has ever seen God at any time. But he also says, the only begotten son who is, born, who is in the bosom and born of the father, he has declared him. John 14.9, it says, he who has seen me has seen the father. Right? And in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten, from the Father, full of grace and truth. Paul goes on to say the same thing in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. He says this, for it is the God who commanded light 
to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. Christ is the one that reveals the true glory of God. His, his glory, by the way, was veiled in the tent of the flesh, but it contained the full glory of God. That's what it means when he says he, he tabernacled among us or dwelt among us. It's actually the word tabernacle um, in John 1, 14. But this is, the, this is also what we learn is, is that Christ's light leads people out of spiritual darkness. It's not good deeds. It's not the festivals. It's not the, 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 the holiday season. It's not doing good things for people or loving whatever people want to love. That's not what brings us out of spiritual darkness. Have you ever tried to find your way in the pitch dark? Right? I'm, I'm, I'm guarantee, I, I, I feel like that's exactly why God gave us a big toe. Right? It's to find what we forgot was there. Right? I, for me, it's usually I kick my dog just about every morning. Three o'clock in the morning, a black dog that sleeps at the foot of the bed is not on the bed, on the foot in front of the bed. That's a dangerous proposition. It's amazing Anissa doesn't wake up more. Uh, the yelping that happens when I step on the dog or kick the dog. Or I kick what the dog has moved that I didn't know about. We, we know how it is, right? You've gone camping before. And you wake up in the middle of the night and you have to go to the bathroom. And you can't find the flashlight. And you're like, I have to go. I don't care if I know where the flashlight is. You run to go to the bathroom and you always find everything along the way. Right? That's why I hate the, the trailer hitches at the end of the, those are, we call them knee knockers, right? You forget that they're there. Right? It's, it's like driving by Braille for, for all the rednecks. But here's the thing. Israel led God out of captivity by his glorious light. Right? You know how easy it is to stumble and fall? We know how easy it is to stumble and fall. And by that I mean sin and rebellion. It's so easy to run in the darkness and to say that I don't need the light. And just to run and stumble and trip and fall. By the way, that's why he says in Galatians chapter 6, you who are walking in the spirit or who are walking in the light. That those who are walking in the Spirit should help those who've been caught up in the trespasses of sin. To be caught, to be, to be pulled down, who can no longer walk. John chapter 12, verse 35, Jesus said, He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. John 8, 12, by the way, this was during the time of the festival of, the, of uh, Sukkot or ta Tabernacle of uh, I'm sorry, the Festival of Tabernacles. It says, but he said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He affirmed this in John 12, 46. He says, I have come 
as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. That emulates 1 John, and we're going to see that in 1 John as well. We see the 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the fact that we live in darkness. The, the author, the, 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 we talk about, we've heard of the authors that talked about the, this present darkness, and, and uh, I don't recommend reading the book, but it's just everybody knows, heard that. But we live in a world that is overrun with darkness. The angel of, of light, Satan, who raises light, is actually ruling over this world in darkness, blinding people. 2 Corinthians 4 says, Therefore, have this ministry by the mercy of God. We do not lose heart, but we have renounced deceitful, under, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice during practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the opening statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let the light shine out of darkness has shown into your hearts to give you the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. God, Christ's light leads us out of spiritual darkness. He is the reason that we know that we need to be saved. We see that in emulated in, in Ephesians chapter 2. But also we see that Christ's light, not only that, but he reveals everyone's true condition. And this is the scary part. This is the part that everybody hates. This is why a lot of times during Christmas we struggle. Because the more that we focus on Christ, the more we realize we are in trouble. We are sinful. Jesus is the light that shines on sinful people and reveals the truth about our sin. Just as it says in John 3, right? We always read John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, we don't like to remind people the whosoever believes part, right? We just remind, hey, God so loved the world. That's great. But whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, but we never do verses 18 through 21. John, and so much so that I have to read it because I don't even have that memorized. I have Philippians memorized, but not this. <laughs> says, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and the men love darkness rather than light. This is the problem. The men of the world, the light has come, but the men, society, people, love the darkness. We love sin. We don't like the light because the light exposes our sin, and it reveals the decay. Have you ever eaten something 
And you're like, oh, this tastes great. But then as you eat it, you realize there's something wrong. And then all of a sudden, that which tasted good is like expelled. You're like, ugh. You ever been grossed out? I won't go into all the things that have grossed me out. Right? But that happens sometimes. We bite into something and you see a hair. No longer to touch it ever again. I'm like, oh, it's just a hair. It doesn't bother me. Too many other problems that I've had in my life. <laughs> but here's the thing. When Christ exposes our sin, we see the decay. And so rather than hating the decay, we hate the light. It says in verse 20, it says, because their deeds were evil, filthy, wretched. For everyone practices evil, hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. That's why we live in a world that's desperately trying to take evil and make it good, and to say that good is evil. It's happening all the time. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that have been done in God. Jesus shows us the truth about our sin. He reveals it. He reveals that we need a Savior, that our sin, that we truly have a sin problem. 1 John 1, 6 through 7 says, If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk, it's talking about a, a, a lifestyle, uh, a practice, but if we practice walking in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. You see that? We want to have fellowship with one another. Do you know how, why a church becomes healthy? The more we want to walk with Christ in the light, it exposes our sin, we deal with our sin, and the natural outcome is we have fellowship with one another. That works with all relationships, by the way. Family relationships, marriage relationships, sibling relationships, work relationships. It works with all relationships. Because it's, if we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It starts with yours. It starts with mine. It should say mine first. Then it starts with all of ours. We don't worry so much about the other people's sin. We care more about our own in the light of Christ. That's what Paul was getting at in Ephesians chapter 5. As he talks about in Ephesians 5, it's an amazing section. It says in verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But he reminds us down in verse 6, it says, no, let no one deceive you with empty words, empty philosophies, empty deceit. For because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partakers with them. For as at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. God reveals our true condition. Here's the thing, and it sounds familiar as God leads his people out of spiritual darkness, but at one point, God 
shone his light on your heart and he revealed that you needed a savior and he led you out of the darkness of your sin and into life with, with him. He saved you. But the thing about the true light is this. Christ's light continually guides us. It isn't just that he leads you out of darkness and that's it. He continues to lead you. That's the beauty of it. His light doesn't change. The purpose of his light doesn't change. He's continuing to help us to imitate him as he leads us. That's why he says, take up your cross and follow him. Die to yourself and be alive to Christ. That's why in the psalmist said this, and you know, Psalm 119, 105, right? It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, in the very beginning, it says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By following your word. Right? Your word sounds familiar, right? In the beginning was the word. Your word was with God. Your word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's crazy. If a man doesn't, if a man does not possess the light, he walks in darkness. If we are not following Christ, if we are not following his word, we're going to stumble. The world is dark. When a man receives the light, John 12, verse 46, and believes in it, he walks no more in darkness. When we believe it, when we trust it, when we, we say, yes, he is our light. I'm going to follow it. Yes, it's, it's his glory has gone before me, and I, it will guide you. It's not hard. Right? Uh, Ecclesiastes 12, the song, uh, Solomon, he tried to do everything under the sun. He found everything in the world is vanity. All is vanity. But he said this, fear God and keep his commandments. For that is the whole issue of life. That's the only thing that matters. Following Christ. John 14, he goes on to say, Jesus said this, whoever does not love me, does not love me, does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine by the Father who sent me. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you for a while. I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither be afraid. Jesus Light guides us, and it continues to guide us. Even though he rose again and is sitting at the right hand of the Father, he gave us his Holy Spirit directly to remind us the things, to light our way, to light our path through his word, to remind us to follow his word. Ephesians 5, verse 8 and 10 that we already read, it says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as the children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. That's only found in Christ. He is the only good. He is the only right. 
and he is the only truth. Remember, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. By the way, in verse 10 in Ephesians 5, it says, and to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. As I close, I want to remind you this. Christ's light is to be shared. This true light, not the not a great gift has come, not the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. And, and that's true. The, the fact that Christ came in the flesh is important and that he tabernacled and he dwelt among us. All of that is true. But sometimes we make them the most important thing, the lighting of a tree, the lights on the hill. We sometimes focus and we make the dim things of this world the bright things of Christ, and we miss who Christ really is. In Ephesians chapter 5, again, if we just keep reading, in verse 11 through 17, he says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. By the way, that's how do we expose them? Do we expose the darkness by reprimanding people? Do we expose them by winning arguments with people? Do we, do we, how do we do this? How do we share the light of Christ? How do we expose them with Christ's light, with Christ? It says, take no part. One of the ways that we share Christ's light is we don't sit there and every time we partake in things of this world, we dim the light of Christ. The, the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And he says this very important thing. Verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. How many of us walk through life thinking about the light of Christ and walking carefully? That, you know, the idea of walking carefully here is, 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 is looking at each of our steps. How many of us do that? The easiest way to describe that is, is how many of you have ever walked through a minefield? I, I did, just so I could get a picture. <laughs> when I was in Israel, there was a sign that said, mines, do not enter, mines. So we jumped over the fence and took a picture. We were stupid. I was young and dumb. Still am it sometimes. But here's the thing. All of you should have raised your hands. When you walk in this world, in the flesh, trying to produce your own goodness, your own light to walk through this world, and you let the things of this world be your guide, you're walking carelessly. You're not carefully walking as wise men who have been light, having their way lightened by Christ, but you're choosing to either follow your emotions, your feelings, you're following different philosophies, different things, but you're not following Christ. Matthew 5, 13 through 16 says this, 
You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its taste, how shall saltiness be restored? Well, it can't. It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the feet. How many did that this morning? Some of you walked in and there was a little bit of salt thrown on some of the steps. And you trampled over that salt. It's not good for table salt. Trust me, don't taste it. It's gross. But when salt lost its saltiness, it was used to throw out on the ground. You, he says in verse 14, are the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand that it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify you. No. Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The Jews would have understand this statement. As he talks in the Beatitudes here, he's saying that, hey, you, you have been given the light of Christ. You've been getting, given the light that is the light of the world, the light that gives direction, that brings men to God, that reveals who God is, that reveals and brings men from darkness to light. Don't hide that light. When we choose to listen to the things of this world, we dim the light. We put our faith and trust in shadows of the real light. But when we become pillars of light, like in the Old Testament, we don't hide that pillar. We walk around and show people the light that they would give glory to God because we are not glorified. It is God who's glorified. It's not about us. It's about Christ. And so many times in our life we make, whether it's church or Christmas or Easter or our birthdays or, or our relationships or our work or our possessions, it's all about us. And it's not about Christ. And that begs the question in the holiday season, why do so many people struggle? Because they are looking at a dim light. And I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about the things of this world. And sometimes we follow those things. They say, if I buy enough gifts, if I can only buy enough gifts, that's pretty stressful. I just buy a gift and say, yep, if you like it, you like it, if you don't. Do whatever you want with it. <laughs> it's just a gift. Right? But Christ is everything. Who are you following? That's the real question. John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world, right? Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Who are we going to follow? That's, when he's, that's why he is called the true light. You're going to see all through the New Testament this light. You, you can do a word study and look at it, and you'll see Christ referred to as light. The light has come. You'll, you'll, refer, you'll hear about the light and peace and joy and the fruit that comes from the light. We do not bear fruit when we don't have light. I don't know about you, but 
You know that a couple years ago when we had nothing but storms all summer? How many of you got tomatoes? Um, I got tomatoes that were green that came up at the end of the year because of our farm animals, but that's a different story. <laughs> but they were green. They ended up rotting because of all the rain, right? Fruit needs light. It ripens in the light. It becomes useful in the light. Peace, joy, patience, goodness, kindness, love is a fruit of true light. Who will you follow this holiday season? Who will you proclaim this holiday season? You want joy with your family? Look at the light. Don't look at all the different entrappings, the dim light. By the way, don't try to manufacture peace. It just usually produces more problems than peace, right? I did that for a while. I grew up with no peace for a long time. And so we, lots of, lots of struggles growing up in the early days of my, early days of my life. So a lot of times in my current life, I want peace, and I try to produce it, and I usually produce more problems than peace. But when I look to Christ and I smile and love on people with the mind of Christ, Philippians 2, I don't think about what I want. I want peace and quiet, right? I want, I want Christ. The peace comes in the light. Pursue Christ. And watch the fruit that he will produce in your life that people can pick and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be his name. His kingdom come. His will be done. Not ours. Right? I'm going to get into Rob's message. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the light that has come that shows everything that we need in life. Lord, may we not get so entrapped that we miss the whole reason for our being for eternity, to be in the light, to be surrounded in, in your glory, to worship you, not to just Focus on your light during Christmas, but for the rest of eternity. May we not be so worried about what we get or don't get or what we have or don't have, what we can give or can't give. May we realize we have everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything that we need is found in you. So Lord, may we worship you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.